0: Your Bibles tonight and turn with me to Psalm 36, Psalm 36. And I hope you will after the service go over to the fellowship hall and uh, greet the Flores if you would and eat a cupcake in his honor tonight. All right. And uh, we appreciate them and appreciate all the Lord's done today and through these five weeks of the fall uh, program and all your efforts. Thank you, church, so much for your hard work and your. Willingness to to reach out to others and and put your neck out and speak up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank God for it. Psalm 36 is our text tonight. Our uh, text verse will be in the ninth verse. I'd like for you to stand with me and read these uh, first nine verses. So ask just a little bit more, Jerry, as I'll stay on the pulpit mic tonight. And uh, Psalm 36, and let's read them in unison together. Some wonderful, wonderful thoughts down through verse number nine together, please. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. "'Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, "'and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. "'Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. "'Thy judgments are great deep, O Lord. "'Thou preservest man and beast. "'How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! "'Therefore the children of men "'put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. "'They shall be abundantly satisfied "'with the fatness of thy house.' And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. Oh, look at that little verse there, verse 9. For with thee is the fountain of life. You know, he starts off and talking about the wicked and the hateful and the deceitful and uh, the mischievous and, uh, and uh, the evil. And then he gets to verse five, talking about God's mercy, and His faithfulness, and God's righteousness, and His judgment, uh, judgments, and other, His decision making. How He preserveth man and beast. I thought about this little story of one of our couples when they were in Bible college years ago. A tornado came through their little neighborhood, tiny little homes stacked one one right after the other, and homes right in front of them, homes right behind them were torn to shreds. Right before they went in for the storm, one of them took their shoes off and laid it by the back door. When the storm was over, the shoes were still by the back door, and nothing on their home touched. Now, I don't think necessarily, you know, I'm not saying that God loves this person more than another. I'm just saying all of us have enjoyed these characteristics of God, His mercy, His loving kindness, His preservation. How many God's ever preserved you sometime in your life? Yes. Uh, His loving kindness is mentioned. And the shadow of His wings is mentioned. What a safe place. Verse 8, though, look at it. They shall be abundantly satisfied. I like that thought. With the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the rivers of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. Notice the little phrase, verse 9, for with thee is the fountain of life. I want to speak to you on the subject tonight living at the fountainhead. Living at the fountainhead. Father, fill me with your spirit, please. Let Christ be exalted tonight. Let God's people be encouraged. Uh, Lord, I feel so humbled and so honored and so thrilled to serve with. I have people that are here tonight, Lord, that love you and love others. And, Lord, may you be the love of our lives, and Lord, may our lives be spent drinking of that living water that alone can satisfy the longings of our soul. As the world gets further and further from you, Lord, may we more and more uh, realize Christ is indeed all that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. In the fourth century... It is said, whether it be legend or whatever it may be, that Alexander the Great uh, had found what was called a river of paradise. Most of us are familiar with the legends of the Spanish conquistador Ponce de Leon and the fountain of youth and his search for the fountain of youth. Legends also similar to these Come from the Canary Islands in Japan and Polynesia and England, and in the Middle Ages, even in England, there was uh, some of the Europeans believed in the mythical king by the name of Preston John, whose kingdom contained a fountain of youth and a river of gold. And uh, I guess, uh, I guess uh, the, the, the uh, modern-day Ponce de Leon would be all of the supplements that are advertised today. <laughs> and uh, eat this uh, for $59 a pill, and you will <laughs> live forever. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, the Bible speaks here in His Word of a fountain of life. Amen? A fountain of life. I remember as a kid... We, as a family, in our church, and the the Eckerts and uh, us kids went to school with their kids and so forth. And they had uh, they had a cabin up in the mountains, and it was uh, this little A-frame, and uh, uh, it was probably meant to sleep three, two, maybe three. Uh, but we found a way to make it sleep nine. And uh, anyway, but we just thought it's the greatest thing uh, in all the world, and it was right on the creek up in the mountain of. America. Exactly where it was, I'm sure my mom and dad could probably, dad could probably take me there. But uh, but anyway, we called so we called it the Eckards Cabin because the Eckards owned the cabin, and uh, and uh, so we'd go uh, uh, a lot of years. Or once, at least once year, we'd go up to Eckards Cabin. I remember going at a time when the blackberries were were uh, uh, in season and picking blackberries. And going back to the cabin and having blackberry soup, amen. Which is milk, sugar, and blackberries. I still, we got blackberries, and I still, when they're in, I eat. I mash them up till my milk is purple. Can I get a witness right there? I feel something moving. And uh, anyway, how many of you like blackberry soup? Are y'all saved? Uh, All right. But anyway, uh, but uh, uh, but. uh, Up there in that little spot where that little cabin was, was a spring. And somebody somewhere had had put a ladle by that spring, a little tin ladle by that spring... And I don't know how long it had been there, or how sanitary it was, but somehow we didn't seem to mind. And uh, but I remember drinking that cool, clear water straight from that mountain spring. So cold to make the back of your throat hurt. Yeah, I'm feeling it now. And uh, something refreshing about there. Nothing about that. Nothing quite like that. Amen. Cool, clear, refreshing water. And you know the Bible says that Jesus. Is the living water, Amen. Jesus is the living water. All the message tonight. It won't be deep. It probably won't be long, uh, but it won't be deep. But I hope it'll be refreshing. Would you look at what he said there in verse number eight? He spoke of God's mercy and faithfulness and righteousness and His judgments and His His uh, divine protection where He preserves us. His loving kindness. And the shadow of the safety of the shadow of his wing. And then he said in verse number 8 of these characteristics of God. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness, uh, 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 the abundance if you will, of thy house. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. Notice that little phrase, they shall be abundantly satisfied. Can I give you a number one thought tonight? Christ alone can satisfy the longings of the human soul. Christ alone can satisfy the longings of the human soul. The Bible says this. It says when Paul wrote in Colossians in chapter number 3, he said, When Christ, who is our life, when Christ, who is our life, in Philippians 1, 21, he said, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He wrote from that uh, prison cell to the church at Philippi, and he said, "You know, I'm in a strait betwixt two. We'd sit this way tonight. He said, I'm between a rock and a hard place." He said, "I have a desire to, to be with you." He said, "But but I got something else. I won't really. I'd rather uh, depart and be with Christ, and that would be I'd, uh, that would, would be far better." Far better. And sometimes we say that, you know, we say uh, they're better off. And that's not just a nice little uh, slogan. That's true. If you're a child of God and you pass and you go on to glory, you're far better off. Amen. And, uh, and, and, and and David wrote here in the psalm, he said, Christ, this, he alone can satisfy and abundantly satisfy. In 1 Corinthians and chapter number 10 we read about this rock in the Old Testament. Moreover, brethren, I would not have you that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud, the divine guidance, pillar fire by day, and cloud of pillar by night. And all passed through the sea, that's the Red Sea, divine guidance and divine deliverance. And we're all baptized unto Moses. In the cloud and in the sea, in other words, divine authority that God gave them, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, divine provision for God's people, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. That's divine satisfaction. Amen. For that they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. God illustrated 40 years in a wilderness when an entire generation passed off the scene and he illustrated that God could feed two, three million uh, 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 Israelites in a wilderness Listen, a, a, de- a desert and a wilderness are not the same a desert you'll find some cactus a desert you'll find some life a wilderness nothing can live and God had them in a the wilderness for 40 years no other sustenance but he himself alone and he fed them and he led them and he protected them and that rock that he smote from which the water came followed them And they had that water to refresh them. There's a story there for you and I, dear friend. I don't know how bleak your life is tonight. But that rock, Jesus Christ, the living water, still flows from the rock. The rock of ages. Amen. Christ alone can satisfy the longings of the human soul. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. For only he can mend your heart. And make you whole. We sing about it, don't we? We sing about the living water. Can I give you another thought? Number two. Number one, Christ alone can satisfy the longings of the human soul. Number two, idols never satisfy. Idols never satisfy. God gave a command to the nation of Israel. He said, The Lord thy God is your God. And him only shalt thou serve. You see, my friend, God, who gave his all for us and gave his best for us, deserves our full and total commitment to him. We owe that to him. He who loved us enough to give us his only begotten son, the lovely Lord Jesus Christ, the darling son of God, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God the Father would give us his own son. He deserves us to be fully devoted to him. Amen. Some people they say, I believe in Christ. Well, don't treat God like a, like a part-time boyfriend or girlfriend. He deserves our total commitment. Amen. Now an idol is anything that gets in the way with our relationship with God. An idol is anything that, 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 uh, that takes our affection away from Christ or diminishes our passion for Christ. It is that which takes our eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, when he gave the Ten Commandments, so written on tablets of stone with his own finger up in the mountain, and uh, Moses came down with those tablets of stone, the first one, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Amen. Listen, the Hindus literally, <clears throat> literally have millions of gods. I sat next lady. I've told you before, uh, uh, on a plane, and she's from Nepal, coming to the states for the first time, and her husband's a, uh, a professor at uh, uh, university here. And anyway, she said we have nine gods, and she named the gods and so forth. And but let me tell you something. There's only one God. Amen. <laughs> there's only one God. He's a triune God, John, 1 John 5, 7. There are three that bear record in Him. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. So these three are one. He Christ, uh, Colossians 2, 9 is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God manifests Himself in the flesh. Jesus Christ is God with skin on. <laughs> He's God incarnate. Uh, and our Spanish folks know what that means incarnation God will meet on him if you will he is God in human flesh Jesus Christ God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit Uh, 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 Jesus Christ is God's love gift to you and I for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and can I tell you something my dear friend Uh, he said this he said uh, I, I love you and here's the proof of my love and this is what I require of you I don't want to share you with another God, I don't want to share you with Buddha, I don't want to share you with a a, a man, I don't want to share you with a a Pope the Virgin Mary, I don't want to share you with Saint Peter, I don't want to share you with anybody, I want to be number one in your life, I want to be your exclusive God and idol worship is anything that challenges our exclusive love for God Almighty now when we think of idols my, my brother in Thailand, his last letter, mission's letter, is just tremendous. And he talked about, he have been, I guess, 15 plus years now over in Thailand. And he talked uh, uh, very openly and frankly about the, the, the Buddhist system. People over here get fascinated with Eastern uh, religion. I, I, years ago, I read William Borden's uh, biography. And he goes into some uh, uh, of the detail uh, of just the depravity that he saw. And uh, uh, it, it, Hinduism, Buddhism, is, uh, it's depraved. It's depraved. I'm talking about it is morally bankrupt. Now, you, you say, well, I've never heard that before. Uh, call the church office and say, could I have the prayer letter for the Tim Ship family? in thailand from last month and you can read it for yourself Uh, but but can i tell you something my dear friend listen uh anything anything that takes our eyes off of the lovely lord jesus christ becomes an idol in our life a person can become an idol a bad person can become an idol Nehemiah 13, 14 through 26 says that even Solomon did outlandish women cause to fall. Solomon was such a choice young man who could have had anything that he wanted. God came to him and saw his sincerity and his love and and, and said, Solomon, I'm so impressed by your devotion to me. I'll give you anything you want, and that young man said, "I tell you what I want. I want a heart of understanding. I want wisdom to lead your people." He could ask for money, could ask for wealth, he could have asked for uh, uh, a power and prestige, but he asked for wisdom to serve the people that God had given him. And God was so impressed with his request, He said, "I'm going to give you that wisdom. And you'll be the wisest man that ever lived. But I'm also going to give you wealth and riches, and I'm going to give you peace, and I'm going to give you a." a, 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 a power over your enemies, and and, and Solomon uh, was, started so well, but when you read uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, which he wrote as an older man, and read the last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, and he describes the aged person, and and, 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 uh, in in, in great detail, And and he spit the bulk of his life he started so well but then he started chasing things and experiences and and and, and he chased things all of his life he built things he, he, he got things and had everything a man could ever think of to desire and he got done with all those vain pursuits of life and he said it has left me empty and can I tell you dear friend you can chase whatever you want to chase but if it is not eternal if it doesn't have something to do with that which will go across the grave to the other side of heaven if that becomes your life pursuit it'll leave you empty only Jesus can satisfy only the fountain head of the living water can refresh the thirst of one soul a bad person Amnon had one of those in his life his name was Jonadab and Amnon's life took a hard left turn to destruction because He put a friend in front of his God. Let me tell you something else. Not just a bad person, but a good person. A good person can take our eyes off the Lord. Young people, listen to me very carefully. Listen to me very well. You say, well, I think I like this boy. I think I like this girl. I think I might like that. And I'm not talking about boyfriend, and girlfriend. I'm talking about friends. You might be a girl. Say, I, I think I want to have be a friend with so and so. And I again, I want to have a friend with so and so. Or maybe in a in a, sort of a romantic uh, feelings you have. Oh, I like so and so. I like so and so. Now let me tell you something. Let me give you a test right here. If you feel like you want to get To know anybody better. Here's an acid test for whether or not it's a healthy relationship. Will it enhance your relationship to Christ? Or will it cool it down? If you can't stand as boldly for Christ. In a group of friends. And you don't have any business being in that group. A good person. Can become an idol. Abraham. Abraham is probably the most well-known name in the world in so many, many cultures. Abraham is a prominent name. And he's he's considered in in, in the large religions of the world, so to speak, if I could use that word. uh, Abraham's known. Abraham was a great man. Just about every measurement, Abraham was a great man. Abraham had left Ur of the Chaldees his home. The Bible said God came to him and said, Abraham, won't you follow me? I'm going to send you, uh, uh, and I'll let you know where you're going. He said, I want you to pack up and leave. And Abraham packed up everything he had, packed up his, uh, his uh, family, packed up his belongings. And uh, I'm sure his family said, where are you going? He said, but don't really know yet. I just God said, go, so I'm going. And Abraham left. By faith, Abraham left his home to go to a place God had not yet told him. Abraham Had done all of that. You'd think if anybody was devoted to the Lord, it would be Abraham with all that he sacrificed. And yet God, in one final test to Abraham's devotion to himself, said to Abraham, the unthinkable, Take now thy son, thine only son, and go up to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice to me. Now that's an unthinkable request. Who in the right mind would... Consider such a thing, except Abraham knew that it was what God had told him to do and Abraham said God you promised me that my son Isaac would be the progenitor of a huge race that uh, his seed would be as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky so if you're asking me to go up and sacrifice him I'm talking about uh, cut his throat, spill his blood sacrifice him like would a would lamb then I know you're going to raise him up from the dead and he took him to the top of the mount put him on that altar and the amazing thing is is this Isaac, Isaac what a choice young man. Isaac, a type of Christ. Isaac, the promised son. Isaac, the miracle child. His mama was 90. His dad was 100 when he was born. Isaac, the rightful heir. Isaac, the thoughtful son who meditated in the field. Isaac, uh, the trusting son. Uh, How'd you like to be uh, Isaac? And and, 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 and your dad told one of his servants, go find my son a bride. How'd you like for your, uh, your dad to say, To a friend, hey, uh, uh, my son needs a bride. Go find a bride for her. That's a trusting son right there. But Isaac, the type of Christ, the promised son, the miracle child, the rightful heir, the thoughtful son, the trusting son, this is a good child. This is a good young man. And God said in this demonstration to us, he said, listen, I want to find out if that which is good, a, a choice person in my place becomes an idol. Abraham, are you willing to sacrifice your son? At the moment of truth, God said, oh, stop. He didn't have to sacrifice him, amen. But what a test. A good person become an idol. Anything that takes my eyes off the Lord, my affections from Christ, diminishes my passion for the Lord, can indeed become an idol. And idols never satisfy, amen. A pastime can become an idol. I told the class this morning. Uh, not exactly a, a Christian publication, but Forbes magazine in, uh, uh, in 2021 had an article. And uh, uh, the average uh, the average American uh, was uh, spending 58 minutes a day on Facebook. We did the math with the calculator in class this morning. It takes 70 to 72 hours for the average reader to read through the Bible. You took those same 58 minutes and read your Bible... Every day, instead of 58 minutes on Facebook, 58 minutes with your face in the book, you could read through the Bible five times in a year. Do the math. In the same article, the, the, the Zoomers, they call them generation, uh, generation Z or Gen Z, are the, uh, are the teenagers and 20 uh, somethings uh, today. Uh, listen to this. This is astounding are spending on, Generation Z is spending on average nine hours a day in front of a screen. Now, if you add eight hours of sleep to that and two, three hours of school and time to put a sandwich down your throat, you really don't have much time for anything else. I, I'm not saying, if, if all nine hours was was wholesome, which I'm not sure that would be the case. But if all nine hours was wholesome, my point is this, a person, good or bad, a pastime can, can become an idol where it steals our affection away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, things that are not in and of themselves wrong uh, can, 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 can take us from our, from our devotion to Jesus Christ. I sat uh, home a few weeks ago, a former NBA player, and he started telling me his testimony. I asked him about soul. I said, you, you know for sure, if you dad would go to heaven. He said, I didn't, I didn't know that until I was 35. He said, I grew up in church. He said, I was sprinkled as a kid. And he said, uh, when I was 35, I got saved. And he started telling me about his life. And he said, you know, his, it, it, his wife, she chimed in and she, she loves the Lord. She's born again. And she said, you know, he, 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 he almost, almost made it big. Almost. And I said this. I said, uh, it sounds like to me that the Lord knew you didn't need to make it big. Because if you had, you probably wouldn't be saved tonight. And his wife across the room said, thank you. <laughs> 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 it was sweet. I think about, uh, I think about uh, down in Pinehurst. Sings for us. Uh, uh, Brute. Bruce Fry, think about Bruce Fry's testimony. And right on the cusp of making it big in the country music scene, just right there, just right there, just right there, just right there, and never quite, and come find out it was the grace of God Almighty. It was a grace of God Almighty. He said, well, what's wrong playing a guitar? What's wrong playing basketball? I didn't say basketball is sin. I didn't say playing a guitar is sin. Well, it depends on how you play it. But anyway, I didn't say playing a guitar is a sin. I'm just saying that sometimes pastimes can take us away from our devotion to Christ. I'll never forget when a couple said to me, Pastor, we're not going to be here for the next, however many it was, seven, eight, nine weeks, whatever it was. I don't remember. We're not going to be here for the next several weeks because we won't be in the teachers meeting. they teach. Sunday school teach. We won't be in Sunday teach. school teacher meeting. We won't be in church on Wednesday night because our son. And signed up for football, and we want to teach our son when you make a commitment, you keep your commitments. <laughs> I want to say, Did you just say that out loud? Now, ain't nothing wrong with football. But listen, to, listen, don't you build, don't you fit God in your life? You, you put God in your life and fit whatever you can around that. Amen. Too many of us are uh, 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 building our relationship with Christ, building uh, 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 our relationship with Christ around uh, our worldly pursuits, around... but well, what we ought to do is build our lives around our relationship to Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we ought to do. I'm thinking about a teenage boy right now that literally at a scholarship offers in the 10th grade. And I remember going so soul winning on Saturdays with his bus workers. I remember he got saved, he got baptized, at family came... And it he was good. He was really good at baseball. And his dad came and said, son, you're going to travel on this team. He said, "Dad, I don't want to do that. He said, you're going to travel on this team. I knew it would take him out of church. It took him out of church. He had opportunities as a 10th grader, 11th grader. By the time he became a senior, he said, I'm done with baseball. I'm sick of it. I don't want any more of it. And he was out of baseball and has been out of church ever since. Anything can be an idol when it takes our eyes off the Lord. Christ alone can satisfy, and idols will never satisfy. Can I, can I, can I talk to you for just a minute tonight about something? Do you know, again, this is my observations. If you disagree, that's fine. You're welcome to your opinion. I like mine better than yours. But may I say this word of warning Be careful not to let the avenue of your worship become the object of your worship. Don't let the avenue of your worship become the object of your worship. Now, we we use music in our worship. We use music as an avenue or expression of our worship. But don't get so fond of the music that you like. I'm not talking about necessarily music that's wrong. I'm just talking about music. Don't, let, don't fall in love with music. Fall in love with the one who's exalted by the right kind of music. You understand that? Listen, I remember years ago a lady tell me, I said, how you doing? She's struggling with something. She, I said, how you doing? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? How you doing? She goes, well, my devotions is I listen to, and she named her favorite gospel group. That's my devotions. And I thought, now, I don't, I don't, I know enough about the gospel group to know if that was healthy or unhealthy. Not every gospel group is, is healthy, quite frankly. But anyway, I didn't know enough about the gospel group to know if that's healthy or unhealthy. But I know this is not healthy if the only time that you can get emotional about the Lord is listen to your favorite gospel group. How about be still and know that I am God? How about the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show this handiwork. Day and day utter speech and night and the night show of uh, knowledge. There's no voice nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line goes out to the whole world. And listen to me. Hey, listen when's the last time you went in the silence of the night in the woods all alone somewhere and took a walk and you lifted your hands and you praised God and the tears streamed down your face when you were alone and worshiping God and meditating on Him your heart was set on Him you got excited whoa glory to God I'm for that at a gospel group singing or whatever else. As long as it's good, clean, healthy. Thank God for it. But if that is the only time you fail, you love Jesus Christ, you might need to check what it is exactly you're in love with. Everybody okay? Don't let the avenue of your worship become the object of your worship. That's what happened in 2 Kings 18 with a brazen servant. When Hezekiah became king, Hezekiah, one of the things he did, he had to get rid of idol worship. You know one of the things he had to get rid of that stuck up in the temple? He called it, Hezekiah called it Nehushtan, which means a bronze thing. He said, that bronze thing has to go too. You know what he was talking about? Anybody remember a prominent bronze thing in the Old Testament? When some fiery serpents came? Yeah. brazen serpent. John chapter 3, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. That Old Testament brazen serpent was a representative of Jesus Christ, and, and that was a picture of looking to Christ for salvation, and here's the sad thing. That icon became the object of affection and worship, and literally became, that which was pointing them to Christ, now then Stole affection from Christ. That's why he said, "Don't make any graven images." They did the same thing in Judges chapter eight, verse twenty-seven. They said, after Gideon conquered the Midianites, they said, "We want you to be our. Uh, we want you to be over us. We want to give you something." He said, "I don't want anything." He said, "I don't. Want, I don't care to be in charge. He said, No, 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 no. He said, "Well, you're gonna. Have, I, if I'm gonna be in charge, I'm gonna be in charge." He said, no, "We want you to be in charge. We want you to lead us." He said, "Okay. I tell you what I want." He said, I want uh, He said, uh, uh, some of the uh, uh, treasures of, of the war that they took. He said, bring that, and we're going to use it for worship. And you do the math in there. The shekels gives you the shekels, about 43 pounds of gold. He took 43 pounds of gold, and he made an ephod. That was used in the Old Testament worship. He made an ephod. And he said, we're going to worship God, and we're going to use this in our worship of God, and we're going to give him praise. And before it was said and done... They had stopped worshiping God and worshiping that ephod. Number three, and last. I said, number one, Christ alone can satisfy. Number two, idols never satisfy. Number three, thank God for the desert places. Look at your text again, would you please? He says in verse number nine. Verse uh, verse number 9. For with thee is the fountain of life. Go back to the beginning of the chapter again. Psalm 36 verse 1. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. He flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise to do good. He devises mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that's not good. He abhorreth not evil. The first four verses of David's experience with those that had betrayed him. David's experience with his enemies. David had a lot going on in his life. And then he turned his mind and heart to God and he speaks of his mercy, his faithfulness, his righteousness, his judgments, his preservation, his loving kindness. And then he said he is that fountainhead of life. He's the fountain of life. Listen, here's the point. When all these troubles in David's life, this wilderness, this desert, if you will, of David's life is what drove him to the fountainhead. Can I say, dear friend. The desert places in your life. Isaiah thirty-six nine talks about streams in the desert. The desert places of your life where you have nothing else that will satisfy you. It's what will drive you back to the fountainhead, Jesus Christ, and the river of life once more. Amen. Look, you don't just need Jesus to be saved from hell and go to heaven. You need to, when Christ who is our life. We need him every day. We need him every day. And as we walk with him and as we drink of that eternal river of life day by day by day in sweet fellowship with him and learn to love him more and learn to shun the things that steal our affections from him and learn to shun the things that quench his spirit and learn to shun those things that want to steal our time away from him and more and more we realize, man, I can survive in the middle of the desert because I have the fountainhead of life, Jesus Christ. Amen. Living by the fountain here. Have you had some sweet fellowship of late? He said, "Well, I ain't doing anything bad. That's not what I'm talking about." What's well, got your time, your attention? You worship people. You worship. You worship problems. Some people worship problems and <laughs> they dwell on them, dwell on them, think on them, think on them, think on them. All their emotional energy is spent. No, 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 no. How about this? You put Christ in that place. Drink from his fountain. Let's stand together, shall we? Lord, we love you.